I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Survivor plays and then Abbott Elementary's right after Survivor. Uh, so Wednesdays truly are going to be the best of the week. Hey, my name is Sarah, and welcome back to another episode of Talking Fast. I am alongside Jacob, as always, and first off, what are you drinking? Sarah, what I'm drinking, and I actually, this was a big mistake, I think. <laughs> I have to admit, I was chewing a piece of gum not an hour ago, and I needed a quick hit of sugar. I thought so. Okay. I picked up a lemonade. Get In- this. Interesting choice. Spearmint gum and lemonade do Disgusting, not, do not yeah. mix. Individually, fantastic. Love gum. Love lemonade. Yeah. But together, I feel like it'd be like when you brush your teeth and then if you drank, like lemonade would be one of the first. There are some like interesting people who enjoy the taste of orange juice after brushing the teeth. I'm not one of them. No, me neither. And this was kind of like one of those bad experiences for me where anything fruity with acid post brushing teeth or gum is not it. Yeah, it was not it. But what do you got? What are you drinking? Uh, I'm drinking iced tea right now. So. What iced is this? Tea. Peach iced tea. Peach pure life iced tea. You know, I'm I love a nasty, but this one feels like I don't know. I'm fooling myself into being healthier. So I was gonna say, is there caffeine in there too? Are you getting, I are you getting, think I hope so. Buzz going. I actually have no idea if there's caffeine in this. I hope there's a little bit because I didn't have time to grab a coffee. But if I had a coffee, I'd be like vibrating right now. So I don't really know if that was necessarily what I needed. So. The, the iced tea is a chill caffeine. Yeah. And also what I've been doing, I almost grabbed a Diet Coke. I'm really trying to cut Diet Coke this year because I became addicted to it last year. And also then I'll like be like all burpy the whole episode, which we don't really need if I do that. So we opted cool. for iced tea. No, it's, <laughs> it could not be. I would cut all of that out anyways because I edit this. It'd be a lot of jump cuts. It'd be a lot. Episode. It'd just be you like half sentences the whole time. <laughs> Sarah, I'm excited for this next question. What are we watching this week? So for the first time ever, I think we're watching or watched the same thing. Yeah. And follow up on the last episode, though, I have to atone for my uh, wrongdoings. Mm-hmm. I got roasted a little bit over that episode Just for not time. watching Abbott Elementary. I'm happy to say I watched the first five episodes. I binged them because it was so funny. I'm a fan of the show. I'm going to continue. But 
what I moved on to and what I know you were watching as well. Wait. What? Before the before like, we're like, on a cliffhanger right now. No, I'm not going to. I was gonna say that I I wasn't bullying you because you hadn't watched. It. I was bullying you because you had never heard of it. Oh, that's fair. You know what? I'll take that. I, I was a deserved bullying because it's a really good show. This just goes to show that bullying works, kids, and <laughs> you can. Uh, this week, I'm kidding. Sponsored by bullying. <laughs> yeah, sponsored by bullying. Light bullying works if it's for the betterment of the person's life. I guess so. And that's kind of a theme in the show that we were watching this so week good. as well. So good. Because in the uh, the backroom kitchens of the restaurant world, a lot of bullying seems to happen. This yeah. was my first foray into it. Yeah. Catching up on watching the entire season of The Bear. Same. So uh, I've, I was editing the Julia episode today. And a couple of weeks ago, you actually brought up you would only watch the first episode. And I actually need to ask you, how did you only watch one episode of that show and then stop watching it? A lot of people get upset with me about this who try to watch, um, you know, a, a show, or watching a show at the same time. They'll be like, oh, like, did you get into the show? I'll be like, yeah, I watched the first episode. They're like, oh, like, what did you think of the rest of the entire season or like five seasons that I told you to watch? It's like, I only watched the first one. I'm sorry. There's just so much out there that I get distracted sometimes. So you just have like a little, t- it's like a buffet. You have a little taste of everything and I then am, you never I, like have the full steak. Like that's what it feels like. watching is like the Mandarin. I watch in, I'm going to have a lot of this, a little bit of that. And I, of course, I go straight to the You get the pizza table. and the crab legs and a little bit of Caesar salad. You have it all. Okay. I'm not kidding. This is my first time. Last week, we were talking about how it's down in Mexico. This is an aside, but like the buffet there, <laughs> okay. I was always judged when I came back to the table after like we all went our separate ways at the buffet to like get a, a couple of different things. And it's because my plate was always loaded to the top with like mm-hmm. the most random stuff. And one of the days it was like half desserts and half salad. It was, very, <laughs> it was a very strange experience. That's exactly what Nolan was doing in Cuba too. And I was like, you can get multiple plates. Like you can get up and like you don't have to pile it all into one either. Well, see, I get overwhelmed. And that's what happened after I watched the first episode of The Bear. I just totally forgot about it. It, even though it's so That's good. insane. It's honestly like one of the best pilots I've ever seen of television. Yeah. Um, I never worked in a kitchen, but I worked as a server at a banquet hall. So like with a kitchen and it's done so well. Also, Maddie Matheson is only in the show, but he's also a producer on the show who like that. was an advisor for the show to make sure they were like using proper lingo and like yeah. to actually talk about the dynamic of working in a kitchen and what's that, what that's like from a high-end kitchen to your mom and pop shop in Which Chicago. I assume would be super helpful for a show like this, but yeah. also he's just so funny on the show himself as like He's the so good. He's a good he like plays. comedic relief. There's so many layers to the show. I don't want to spoil anything, but like if you haven't watched it, take this as your sign to go yeah. on Disney Plus. And it's only eight episodes. S- and stick around for episode seven. The episode Ins- seven insane. is insane. one of the best episodes of TV I've ever seen. It's why he won the Golden Globe. Yeah. It's absolutely yeah. insane. I'm yeah. glad we can agree on that. I honestly would rewatch the bear before season two comes out. I loved it as much as I loved like Ted Lasso and that's Ted that's Lasso saying season something. One. But all of Ted Lasso. I also have a huge crush on Jason Sudeikis though. So like that's also jades my view a little bit. <laughs> so that moves us on to what are we listening to? Well, Sarah, I took a little bit of a road trip over the weekend as well. And one mm. thing that I was fired firing up on my Spotify. Was Midnight's? No. Oh, okay. Unfortunate, Continue. <laughs> unfortunately not. There was a little bit of Taylor Swift because I was kind of diving into um, well, I was with a bunch of friends that like mm-hmm. I kind of grew up with in my like teen years and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And what we were listening to, we would throw on like, uh, you know, uh, the top hits of X. So it'd be like the top hits of 2007, the top hits of 2008. And there were some bangers in there. Avril Lavigne, you know, has a lot of sleepers that I think this generation 
should probably fire fire back and watch. Actually, or listen to, sorry. speaking of this generation, our associate producer Izzy that was, tries to that say that was kind of a shot at Izzy on the uh, on the side. Izzy tries to <laughs> tell us that Avril Lavigne was her childhood, but mm. Izzy was born in two thousand. Gen Z, listen, Gen Z's great, but they cannot claim Avril, Avril. Lavigne. Avril's not one of them. No, not one of them. Absolutely, we not. love you, Izzy, but she's not one of yours. Um, <laughs> what are you listening to? So this is going to sound weird, but I haven't been listening to like music. I've been listening to YouTube videos. And what I mean is like when I'm working, I can't, you obviously can't watch. like rainforest sounds or no, something? No, 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 no. Like, like people talk, or like when GQ does 10 things I can't live without or oh, okay. when, yeah. when yeah, yeah. the actors round table, it kind of feels like a podcast to me because I don't need to be watching that. I don't need to them like showing a tennis racket. I can just listen to it. So what I've been doing is playing those in the background while I'm working. And so I feel like I'm listening to a podcast, but it's just YouTube videos. Just like getting some work done and absorbing some like fantastic Yeah, like today knowledge. I was listening to slash watching Matt Damon's like career and like all about his career and like all the different movies he's done. Just like random things like that. So it's almost like I'm, I don't know, it's like a meta version of like listening to a podcast. It's not a podcast, you know? I love it. And what is Matt, what's Matt Damon up to these days? <laughs> these days, I <laughs> look, I think the video's from a couple of years ago. I have no idea what he's up to the, these days, but he talked a lot about- um, No, I'm a Matt Damon fan. I'm, that's no shade to Matt Damon. I like Matt Damon. I think I like Matt Damon. You think you like Matt Damon? Like I, I don't really have an opinion on Matt Damon. Goodwill Hunting? Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say is Goodwill Hunting is like one of my favorite movies. So it's like, that's why I watched, listened to it. But. He's wicked smart. That was a great impression. <laughs> this is where I retire. I think this is where we go to the next segment. Yeah. <laughs> you truly never know who you'll be seated across from at a random event on a Thursday night, but sometimes you get lucky enough and can meet someone as wonderful and talented as this next guest. We hit it off talking about all things the creative process and, of course, Taylor Swift. I fangirled when I realized this artist is the one whose work was spread across the streets of Toronto on billboards and bus stops. If you don't recognize him, you should recognize his amazing work, including this shirt that I am wearing right now. He's collaborated with some of the biggest brands from Adidas to TikTok, and now we're lucky enough to welcome Nasheed to Talking Fast. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The one thing I want to dive into first is the fact that you actually started as an architect yeah. before you were an artist. So tell me about why you wanted to become an architect and then how that transition happened for you. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, growing up, I never thought I was going to become an artist. It was something that I liked to do and uh, it was very therapeutic. But like the idea of being a professional artist had so much stigma behind it. Um, I had to try and figure out a way to make money using my passion and architecture felt like a good fit coming from a Bengali household. There was a lot of pressure mm -hmm. to like do one of the big three and uh, architecture kind of fit into engineering. True. Kind of. Adjacent. So yeah, yeah. they work together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that was the goal. And I actually tried to get into architecture uh, in undergrad, but it was super competitive and I didn't take high school as seriously as I probably should have. Um, so I ended up going to Waterloo and uh, I did urban planning for my first semester, but I had taken a, a fine art elective. And that's when I was in an, I was in an environment where everybody else in the class was really good. Like in high school, I kind of excelled just because like it wasn't an art high school mm -hmm. and uh, I liked it. So I got a lot of attention from my teacher and like got great marks. But in undergrad, these students were taking art seriously their whole lives. And it was uh, a little bit intimidating to be in that environment. So that's when I decided 
that that challenge would be good for me to maybe uh, just like get this art like thing in my body out of my system, but get good grades, create a cool portfolio and maybe try for architecture in grad school. Mm. And it worked out. Um, I got into U of T and I did my master's program there and it was a really hectic three and a half year program after a five year undergrad. I was going to say I lived with I lived on the same floor as architects when I was an undergrad and those boys never slept. Like I would go to the yeah. bar, come back and they would still be working. So I can't even imagine what a master's at U of T and that would be like. After I graduated, I was able to kind of align myself with a firm that created uh, an opportunity for me to be more specialized in like graphical communications, but it wasn't clicking. Like no matter how like specialized and how many opportunities they gave me, it wasn't like sitting right. Uh, I wasn't satisfied. And a lot of the other people at the firm also kind of had this like jadedness to them that made me feel scared for my future. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> you're like, oh, well, is this going to be me in literally like three years then if you're already jaded and like miserable yeah. at it? Yeah. It's like looking into the, the looking glass a little bit. I don't know. You don't want to leave and then fail at whatever. And then you become like people, everyone knows each other and it's really mm -hmm. like weird and scary so when i was having my doubts uh i was like, intimidated and uh i don't know it took a lot of courage to like be, decide I'm, I'm gonna leave this and on top of that like i'm gonna leave this to try and like focus on art that was like i was i would imagine they're like you you're like i kind of sound crazy doing this which is probably like part of the reason why i like ended up working out so my question was gonna be then if you were you already starting to do your art on the side, like while you were working at this firm, or was it like like an all or nothing thing? Did you just dive right into it full time? Yeah, that was the the question at the beginning. Um, I was doing a few like experiments on the side, mm -hmm. like I had done this thing with like heat pressing, uh, special like apparel and like Bengali fabrics onto t-shirts mm -hmm. to try and do like anime designs, but that didn't work out actually. Oh, really? Uh, it was just like one and of those- Was that a business or was that just like a passion thing? That was me trying to figure out how I can make this a business. Okay, yeah. <laughs> um, and I was actually sketching out designs and stuff. And it's funny, like we'll again, kind of get back to this, but there was a, a sketch that I had done of like Drake and on, on top of his eyes was- um, a Kennedy Road sign because he talks about mm -hmm. Kennedy Road. I'm from Scarborough. And I was talking to my like uh, my wife at that time, my girlfriend, uh, about this idea and how like I was going to turn this into like a graphic design project or maybe hire somebody to make the painting for me because I didn't have the confidence in my art abilities then. She was like, you totally should do that. Oh, my God. Like, you I actually were going to hire something. You didn't think you were going to be able to do it. Yeah. This was like in 2019 uh, summer. Oh my God, like yeah. recently. Re really recently. Wow, that's crazy. So your like trajectory has been like, ins you're, it's been a whirlwind then. Over yeah. Because the to go from you think you're going to hire somebody to now, like you had stuff <laughs> on, like that same like painting like on billboards yeah. across, or, like on bus stops across the city. And you're coming at it from the perspective of wanting it to be a successful business. Like yeah. you said, to kind of transfer, getting out of the architecture game and then have something backed up. Exactly. But then you weren't, so you weren't confident in the artistic abilities. Where did that change happened then to you know become very confident and yeah. it's literally on the shirt that i'm wearing right now <laughs> like that's insane <laughs> yeah so um i had like seen a, a video on youtube about this graphic designer and he had done like a poster every day 
Um, it was like a challenge he did for himself. And by the end of the year, he grew his Instagram following to like 30,000 mm. from like zero. And he got recruited by this top design agency in New York. Um, there was also an anecdote that my sculpture professor in Waterloo had told us um, along the same lines where there were like two classes, class one, I only had like one project that was their final project and they could spend the term kind of brainstorming and ideating, but they didn't have to create anything up until the final project. But then the second class had to produce something every week. Um, and by the end of the term, that second class by far had the best final projects, mm -hmm. even though they weren't like ideating as much. So the idea of consistency and mm -hmm. just trying to like push myself to do that inspired me to do a daily challenge because I knew I was lacking in a lot of like fundamental areas with my art practice. Like art school for me was to get into architecture school and I was interested in a lot of ideas and the concept of anonymity mm -hmm. was present there and like using flowers and like floral motifs also existed so it's nice to see it kind of all kind of carry forward mm -hmm. for whatever reason that is innate to like my interests um but i decided in 2020 that i will do this daily art challenge with the hope of really honing in on like my areas of weakness so in january i specifically honed in on doing black and white portraiture i sucked at portraits <laughs> in art school i did landscape paintings yeah mm, okay so now like my whole practice is it's based on portraiture. portraits yeah that's so interesting i know and i know can you see in your own development like if you look back at that kind of the whole challenge um can you see the development of your own artistic style and obviously technical abilities and that that sort of stuff yeah no 100 percent um Digital art is really hard. Yes. It's so challenging. And I think um, there's still like a lot of misconception with like uh, how easy it is to maybe create something digitally. And now with AI art being a conversation topic, uh, it makes it a little bit more challenging to like validate mm -hmm. yourself to people who don't understand yeah. what kind of skill it takes to create something nice digitally. Mm -hmm. One of my first illustrations with my iPad was this like really dinky like microphone illustration in front of like a pink background because I love karaoke. <laughs> I <laughs> um, love so that. I just try to make like a few illustrations inspired by the things I love most. Yeah, so of like course. illustration one was a burger, <laughs> illustration two <laughs> was this microphone. <laughs> yeah, and they were so bad. Like I'll send them to you. Okay, bad by like if if we use this iPad right now and I Jacob and I try and draw the my same standards things, are very low for the even only a thing I know how to do is like caricatures because when I was a child I wanted to be a caricature it's like the people at Wonderland that draw that's people so, yeah that's the only <laughs> but that, I guess that's kind of the idea too right about just digital art in general is that there's a lot of misconceptions about. Well, I guess maybe even not digital art, all different mediums has maybe, you know, not that people look down on one or the other, but they don't necessarily understand what goes into the production process of a piece of art if they don't know how to do it themselves. One thing I love that you do is with your art, you say how many hours like you spent working on it. And that's like one of the beauties of digital art is like 
it literally tracks it for you and it will tell you how many yeah. strokes, how many like hours you did it. And that's really cool because it's like, no, this is the amount of labor it took to do this, Yeah, which is really cool. And I love that you like put that into it. One thing with consistency is I see so many parallels between your art journey and then like my like doing TikTok content. It was like the same thing out of like a, okay, guess I'm going to do it every day and that consistency. Do you think that then helped with you creating an audience online and not just creating art, but creating content as well, because you already knew how important consistency was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think uh, there are definitely two elements to this growth. Like consistency on its own is one thing, but figuring out how to present that to an audience mm -hmm. is a whole other beast. So for example, in 2019, before I got my iPad, I did this challenge called Inktober. Are you familiar with it at all? No. So I guess it happens every year, and it originally started with this one guy. He releases uh, a set of daily prompts that you have to illustrate every day in October. Oh, that's so cool. like day one would be like pumpkin, day mm -hmm. four might be like skeleton, you know, for example. Yeah. And uh, I did it just to kind of reactivate my art energy, and uh, I posted it, but I wasn't actively trying to grow my account at that time. It was more like documentation. Um, and my account didn't grow at all, but it was nice to kind of just like get used to posting again. Cause mm -hmm. prior to that, uh, my account was very dry. The last time I posted anything was probably like 2017 and like, it wasn't very active. So putting my art online felt like the biggest, like I was super anxious to post anything. Well, that's super vulnerable. Like yeah. putting your, it's like putting your like most authentic self out there to be judged yeah yeah which it's like when you were doing architecture it's different you're working for a client it's not like even if it is your original idea it's only to a certain point so yeah it's like putting your thoughts your feelings your perspective on the world out there that's a very like scary thing to do and with something like art anyone's gonna have their own opinion about it so someone might love it and someone might not love it and that's completely okay right yeah did not grow the account at all but I got my feet wet back into like constant creation. Mm -hmm. So then when I got my iPad, I decided like I'm going to do this thing daily for the year. But I'm also going to try and grow my account. And at that time, my wife had a very successful food blog, the 6 out of 10. And she was growing exponentially. And mm -hmm. she had done so much research in growing uh, her account. And she like mentored me through that process. And then there was like a synergy between like what I was creating and also like the posting kind of feedback loop because based on what I was seeing, people like resonated with or didn't resonate with, it immediately impacted like my emotional state yeah. and then yeah. that impacted what I would paint next. And it's like fascinating how like these like small like micro kind of stimulus almost like it's like the small snowball that starts at the top of a hill and 100%. it becomes something you can never imagine. Um, so in 2020, the daily art challenge is very much let me focus on my artistic ability and like mindfully grow the areas I, I'm not confident at, but also try and grow an audience. Mm -hmm. And I think that paid off because in 2020, my account started at a thousand followers and by the end of the year, I hit, I think it was like 18,000, mm -hmm. which was it's huge. A lot. Yeah. That's massive growth. Yeah. And then was that primarily on Instagram? Was that yes. like the main platform? Um, and was it mostly with like, were you mostly doing video content or are you mostly doing like still image content? 
Still image because TikTok was new then. Uh, I don't even know if t- Instagram had reels at that point. If in time. it did, it was everyone was shitting on it. And yeah, thought they were lame. <laughs> like it wasn't like what it is now. Yeah, yeah, and you could still grow just posting static images. Mm-hmm. So honestly, I feel like that was like a serendipitous thing for me, at least because mm-hmm. I was, I didn't have to worry about curating what I was making into a video because that's a whole other beast that. Yeah. I'm only recently starting to get into and it's hard. Yeah. Video is hard. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a different beast for sure. Um, Uh Especially when it's like you're going from one medium to the next. But one thing I do think that people love and with video, you can show this is the creative process and behind the scenes and all of that, which really lends itself to what you do because you're already making the art. So being able to make that type of content really helps. This is the question I've, I don't even think I asked you this when we met at that PR dinner. The bus stops. How did that idea come? Because that was like when you showed, you're like, oh, this is my Instagram. And I like screamed. I was probably so inappropriate. Like, what? That's you? I've seen this. So like, I want to know the bus stops, where that idea come from? And how did you execute that? Because that was like, that's like, I would argue the way everyone knows who you are, at least in the city. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, It kind of comes from that digital art stigma situation where, I was trying to get my artwork in places. This was in 2021. Mm-hmm. So 2020, the year of growth and really finding like my voice as an artist. 2021, I feel like I found that voice. Mm-hmm. How do I show my art to people? Exactly. That was the thesis. And it was really hard, actually, because I didn't have physical canvas with physical paint on it. And a bunch right. of people were like, this is an art, so we're not going to put it up. And the idea of like the one of one and that pretentious like attitude that like only one person can own this one authentic like piece of art as well. It's I would imagine it's like part of the, is, the yeah. issue with it as well. Yeah. And is there a big stigma kind of in the traditional gallery world around like digital art and how that's presented and whatnot? Yeah, for sure. It's twofold. Like there's that element of like the medium, but then also the content like pop art is not really seen as something that can be high art. And that was like a barrier of entry for me, honestly. Um, I guess we can come back to that at a different mm-hmm. point. Mm-hmm. But to get back to the the question at hand, uh, once I started like realizing that there was so much friction and how challenging it was, I had to try and do something. And I was really motivated at that time. Like uh, I was doing pretty good in terms of like digital marketing. I'd picked up this new skill set and I was seeing like the business grow. So I had like, a lump sum of money that I was willing to like reinvest into something. Mm -hmm. Um, And one day I happened to walk past this like bus stop and it was the, the ad on it was really beautiful and it was massive. So that's when things started to like click. Maybe this can be the medium where I showcase my work. So I got in touch uh, with like the people involved and uh, we talked finance and budget and stuff like that and it was a really risky thing Mm because it was like my say is that that's a you don't have to say the exact number but i I gotta imagine it's gotta be a big investment because you did bus stops and like some billboards and whatnot where you're presenting your art right yeah so i had two billboards and then one digital billboard on the qew um 40 bus stops and 40 bike shares this is a big and then how long did those run um, so the billboards and the digital uh, bus stops were three weeks, 
But then the bike shit was the best investment because some of those lasted like a year and a half. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. The bus stops were only three weeks, eh? Yeah. Yeah, because wow. they, they're, they're turning out stuff all the time. And they were also, in my opinion, not the best investment because you get like an eight-second slot amongst like 25 other ads. So mm. you can only see yours every like, what, tw- eight times 25 right. seconds. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. So you kind of did a full Toronto takeover of yeah. your art. Yeah. And uh, it was a huge investment. So I was scared. Um, and like that sort of like campaign is like known as street furniture campaigns. Um, it's not necessarily like something that you like track back to your website because it's about brand awareness. For sure. But I I wanted more than that because it was so expensive. <laughs> So I figured out a way to kind of like bring it back into social media by turning it into a scavenger hunt. So Oh, that's cool. Yeah. To make it like a challenge for people. Exactly. And I had like this huge like uh, giveaway sort of situation. I was giving away a lot of prints and apparel. Uh, and all I asked people to do were if they saw like the stuff uh, in the streets to take a photo and tag it. So the idea was like, you know, if you saw the piece, you might have thought it was cool, but you didn't like have the time to investigate and then Sarah yeah. posted it, you'd be like, oh, I saw I that. I saw that, yeah. Oh, now there's an account tag to this. So let me go and yeah. check out this guy's account. And it worked brilliantly. It was awesome, honestly. And I think uh, I didn't realize the impact that that had for me because it was still like kind of pandemic-y at that mm-hmm. time. Um, but like coming into like now, people still like recognize me on the streets as the artist that like took over Toronto and it's surreal for the actual pieces of like how many art pieces of art did you were on the billboards and bus stops and whatnot and and what was the subject matter of those for people that might not have seen them yeah i i picked five pieces in total and uh i'm really into music so my work is focused on painting musicians that inspire me and uh, i paint them with a lot of really bold colors um kind of touching on digital art technique one of the things with digital art is that it's really hard to get texture. There's like a layer of flatness that permeates it without a certain skill level. Mm-hmm. And with like traditional art, texture is innate to it because it's a, a physical object. So my solution to that was color and like utilizing color in like kind of surreal, trippy ways to create the illusion of texture and creating my own brushes to give each of my brush strokes a little bit more depth and visual texture if not physical but yeah so i ha- i paint celebrities and i cover their faces with florals because i think that's beautiful and it kind of touches on what like these people are to us like they mm-hmm. are entertainment they are culture but we don't really know who they are but the flowers are often like inspired by like a person's upbringing like where they were born like right. if they were born in um puerto rico like i'm doing a bad bunny piece right now and I'm using Puerto Rico's national flower because it kind of touches on like elements that he's really proud of. Yeah. So there's like a tension between anonymity and like familiarity. So that's kind of fun for me. And that's what was up. I had a painting of Drake, I had a painting of Frank Ocean, Mac Miller, Snow Allegra, and Kendrick. Nice. And obviously these resonate well with people as Sarah is wearing the Taylor Swift piece herself now. I, I mean, people have touch points obviously with their favorite artists and whatnot, but then yeah, to you bring something completely different to 
um, like you're saying, the personality of someone you bring out in a different way, which is super cool. Um, but then it's so their campaign, the bus stop campaign resonated with people, I imagine, mm -hmm. um, in that way too, where not only are they engaging with your art, like this new way in the city, but then also just seeing their favorite artists probably, and maybe mm -hmm. even people from, a, uh, you know, around here in a new way too. Mm -hmm. Is that what kind of people resonated with in terms of feedback that you got while you were sharing it or? Yeah, I think, um. Toronto is a, a very cool city and like my art thankfully resonates with the people in it. But I mean, maybe it's the city that inspired my art, you mm -hmm. know, like right. yeah. in right. a way. So like if I'm the artist that's creating what the city brought into me, then obviously the city is going to resonate with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Fair enough. You Because you do art of artists who have been like some of the craziest like fans that have purchased your art because you do it like you have Drake, you've got Kendrick, you've got, I know you do Mac Miller, um, you've done Billie Eilish, who were like the craziest, like probably fangirls, but who were the craziest <laughs> fans that have been like obsessed with it? That's a good question. Um, honestly, the Taylor Swift fans are- it's Not surprising. Are <laughs> so- uh, that's one of your They're more great. recent ones, too, yeah, right? Yeah, I, I just think we dropped should it. I think we should tell people, because that's like part of the reason why we became friends was because for those that didn't watch my TikTok video, which you should have, um, <laughs> I explained it when, when you sent me the pieces, but we were at a PR dinner talking about your art, and then you floated that you were trying, or I think I, I probably brought up Taylor Swift first, because that's a very natural thing for me to do, and you were like, oh, I'm going to do yeah, a Yeah, you're going to New her. York. Yes. Oh, my God. That's why. Yes, because I was going to New York for midnight. You're about right. food recommendations. Yes, because you told me to go then... to Emily Loves Pizza, and I didn't. <laughs> next <laughs> time, next time. <laughs> but yes, you're giving me food recs, and then you're like, why are you going to New York? I'm like, oh, it's lame. I'm going to listen to Midnights, and then you said you were doing a Taylor Swift piece, and then... I just not went lame. Off. First of all, I know, but like, <laughs> but like, imagine just like sitting at a table of all these people. And it's like I just am like gushing about Taylor Swift. Like that's like a normal thing I do. Apparently, anyways, <laughs> then I was like, watch the Reputation Stadium tour, and then now the Queen of Snakes. And also, I'm still in my Reputation era, which is why this makes me extra happy that this is how it ended yes. up turning out. It's so good. But so I feel like someone like her is a difficult artist. I mentioned this in that video I made because when an artist has multiple eras or what they represent, like. That can be probably a very difficult thing for you to come at, I would assume, because mm -hmm. it's like there's different ways that people see that person. Yeah, exactly. So I think that the question really was like, what can I find that inspires me mm -hmm. and then translate that? Because it'll probably resonate with a bunch of other people. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't have to try and squeeze every single era into one piece, yeah. especially because like it's so vast. It's so that would be like that would just be a smorgasbord that would be like too much it would be a headache <laughs> almost like you'd be like you have like her sitting in tennessee with like a little guitar well, yeah. artists change so much too right that like it, it's tough to it's almost impossible probably to capture everything in one especially for like which yeah. artists have there been any artists that have have you've kind of you know featured in your art that have reached out to you or, or anything like that yet no no one yet like a couple of people have seen my art like i know that for sure like i know halsey has seen it i know Snow Allegra has, I know Black has, um, but no one's actually contacted me personally. But I think that'll change. I it'll think change. coming into well, like the well, new because year, think about it, change. like this should be someone's merch. Like Taylor's merch team, if you're watching this, well, that's um, what I was gonna say, yeah, <laughs> hire him because your merch, quite frankly, is lame and very expensive. But that's what I was saying, though. It's like 
it's like, why would you not hire like artists who are already doing it to like for, for sure. your merch and stuff? Like I 100% agree. And that's not just Taylor merch. I, I went to so many concerts this summer and like I would always check out the merch table and there's not a lot of interesting designs. You know, some stuff's just like the tour poster or whatever it's going to be or some text, which is mm -hmm. okay. But like something like this is way more interesting mm -hmm. too. Uh, so one thing you've started, and I mentioned it in your intro, one thing you've started to do a lot more is partnerships now, which is great. Um, but what are some of the struggles, I guess, that come with a creative? Because I mean, I even struggle with it from a video perspective, but I think art is so much more and what you're doing is like personal. So how do you deal with the stress of working with a brand and timelines and if you're not feeling creative, like for the Taylor Swift piece, you could take your time. No one knew you were working on that. You could do it whenever. But if you're working with X brand and they want probably a tighter deadline than they realize that how many million hours it takes to work on the art, how has it been balancing that as part of your new business venture? Yeah, that's a great question. Honestly, working with brands is like a double-edged sword because mm -hmm. on one hand, collaboration can really bring out like an art piece that I could never have thought of on my own. But on the other hand, you are still trying to create artwork for somebody else. And it's a lot slower of a process. And I like to work quick. Um, but I think uh, like based on at least like the most recent uh, brand I've been working with, it's been about just kind of putting my like boundaries mm -hmm. very clearly to like the party I'm working with where like, you know, they'll have this deadline. I'll be like, look, honestly, I can't hit that deadline. Like I need this much time. Like, can we figure out like how that we can make that work? And often they're able to accommodate that. So that's yeah. nice, but um, it's uh, it's definitely a whirlwind. Like yeah. it, it'll be nice to kind of take a break and work on my own stuff for a little bit yeah. after this one's well, done. Well, because I was going to say like that's also the balance. And you and I have talked about this before, how like you sometimes get so tied up in the brand stuff that you're then not able to work on your own stuff. And that must be difficult. Yeah, exactly. that's what I always say too. Is like, And we've talked about this with other people as well who are involved in the creative industries in some capacity is that, you know, what is it, the Scorsese? You do one for the studio and then you do one for yourself. It's like, how do you balance then? the creative passion and obviously the necessity to, you know, like we started off the, our, our talk here of how to run it as a business and make ends meet with, you know, this as, as a, a creative moneymaker as well. So what has been your biggest, wow, I made it moment so far? I mean, people recognizing me on the streets to this day is super weird. And yeah. like, they get like, they'll be like, I can't talk to you right now. Cause I'm so starstruck. <laughs> And like hearing those words is like honestly a little bit awkward for me because mm -hmm. I don't feel like that, you know, mm -hmm. like I like how I've developed as an artist and I can focus on like these like technical things or like I'm I'm proud of like hitting X milestone. Yeah. But then like to a bunch of other people, like it's only recently become news to me that I've had like some meaningful impact and that's. I'm at a loss for words, yeah. honestly. It's it's super cool. Well, because like it's so personal. Like people like purchase your art maybe because like they see something of themselves in it and then it becomes part of like their home, which is like a really personal thing. And that's like really no different than the artists that you are covering who make music that touch people. You are now making art that represents maybe the song that they listen to in that way. So I feel like it's so different than Kendrick Lamar, a different extreme, but Kendrick Lamar Drake getting people going, oh my God, your song meant so much to me. I'm sure you probably get that with your art then because it's a representation, a direct representation of the stuff they already love. Yeah, it's it's really trippy and it's really cool, honestly. It's rewarding to see because it's like a lonely industry. Like 
being on a set like this and seeing how many people are involved and uh, just like any other sort of like team-based creative occupation, there's so many moving parts and so many people that like you're busy, you're able to like bounce off of the people that are around you. But like being an artist, it's a very independent thing. And like throughout that pandemic in 2020, it was just me in my bedroom and my iPad, like just working with so much intensity, but I didn't have FOMO during that time because everyone was locked up. But now there's always a decision to make. Like, do I work or do I have fun? And where do I find the balance of being ambitious, but also like enjoying the fruits of my labor? And that that's kind of like my goal for this new era of my life. I just turned 30 in November. So I'm hoping this decade is the decade of balance, but consistent growth still. That's what I was going to say, because you kind of do have a team between like your brother who works with you. And then obviously your wife clearly has been like a huge impact in your career as well. Raxon Offshore, big shout out. (laughs) But it's like crazy because at the end of the day, even if all these people work with you, it's you and your iPad and you have to be the one that like makes it happen. So I do hope that you find a balance this year as well. Thank you. So next up, we are going to move to our mailbag where maybe we'll give some people some money. This is our voicemail segment where you can submit questions on our Talking Fast Show Instagram. You can also email us at talkingfastshow at gmail.com and we will try to answer as many questions as possible. Give life advice. They could be serious. They could be intense. Um, And these questions all actually came from our Instagram. So shout out everyone that follows us on Instagram. Uh, So we're going to kick things off with how do you prioritize your relationship with a busy work and social life? I think we can all speak to this if you want to kick off. Oh, man, this is uh, definitely tough because now I also work with my wife um, and figuring out how to communicate boundaries and also goals and like dividing work and like pleasure is is like the perpetual struggle. Mm-hmm. I feel like over the course of our relationship, it also like really helped the motivation stay up mm-hmm. because you have someone that's rooting for you and like yeah. really giving you honest advice. And, you know, they, they have your best intentions in mind, but like it can d- easily transform into something where like you're too dependent or uh, you take things like very personally when it's not a personal thing. As an artist, yeah. I'm very sensitive. So <laughs> um, we've like I've developed a thicker skin and Afsha has always been a very clear communicator. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how we've been able to like really turn this into something great but i think communication honestly is like the most important thing for sure because then it's also like when is it a work conversation versus a personal conversation and like not getting mad over work things when it's like this isn't like not bringing that back home for and so that would be yeah that'd be a constant it's just a constant i'm sure evolving um thing that you have to work through what about you what's your advice communication is key and i was going to say scheduling you kind of alluded to that a bit too but scheduling for me is always huge um and because i work in a role that is kind of always on and needing to be on my phone and emailing Mm -hmm. at kind of all hours of the day for various reasons finding those pockets of time where like you're not uh 
you know, distracted is key, but then also taking advantage of the moments where like no one's expecting anything from you. So I whenever say- my girlfriend is like doing her hair or something like that before you go, I'm like, boom, let's go 30 minutes ready to answer some emails. I will say though, <laughs> Haley, since I follow Haley on Instagram, when it's actually, I make the conscious choice. Have you noticed this? When she posts on Instagram that you two are hanging out, I- loves you. She <laughs> talks about this specifically. So- She's just like, Sarah- is one of your clients that knows when like personal time is happening. The, yeah. So like when it's great because she posts on Instagram. So Haley, keep it up. She <laughs> posts on Instagram when you guys are together and I will like hard stop, not text you. Yeah. Unless it's like a funny he he, like a friendship text, not like a work text. <laughs> like that, that would be, the, but it's a yeah. great way. Cause I'm like, I, I know like, I mean, you literally posted a photo from Mexico, like on your phone in the middle of the water. It's like, it was like, I can understand like why that would be frustrating. But yeah, it's, uh, I feel like the scheduling thing is. Yeah. What about you? What, how do you balance it? You're someone who has a, like, a ton of things on the go as well. Um, all you have to do is um, date someone that you were friends with first. So all your friends are the same friends. So it makes your life a oh, lot easier. Good. I mean, like that's my situation. Like Nolan and I were like friends first and we were in the same friend group. So my university friend group is the people that were like over last night to watch football. Like it's that same group that I go to Cuba with, like that group of 10 or 12 of us. So that makes it automatically easier for me because when it's our friend group's time, I never have to worry about like balancing that. Um, But it is, you're right. It is just about being intentional. It's about like um, when we decide to turn the phones off at the end of the night, like we always try to have at least one show that we're watching together um, that we can't skip ahead unless the other person's there. Then that like sets aside time for us to watch it unless it's like the bear and we binge it in one night. So <laughs> Okay. Well, Haley, if you're watching this, I watched the season finale without her. So uh, oh my I apologize. God. I apologize. <laughs> He's like, oh my God. Maybe, maybe cut Jesus. this out and I'll watch it a second time. No, I can never do that. I wouldn't do that. You can cut this out. Then I'll just send it to her <laughs> myself. Also, <laughs> I have to give a shout out to Nolan. Nolan is really nice guy we love nolan <laughs> so um <laughs> shout out nolan you shout out Haley. i gotta shout out <laughs> yeah, nolan that's true. nolan's great that's good. That's good. Uh, question number two for voicemail something you wish brands knew or took more into consideration about influencers slash creatives because you're kind of, of both some now kind. you kind of alluded to this we met at an influencer event so you're yeah. considered in that yeah, in that world it's now. honestly weird yeah Being an artist is, is a weird territory because you can't flex like you know how much you've made as a business where small businesses do that so this is like a tangent (laughs) no 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 no. i I love it i love tangents yeah yeah but like you know like if like i had like a cookie business i could be like i made this month this amount of money like this year but like as an artist it's like weird like oh this guy's so arrogant but it's like there's that component but it's like is it this like construct of what an artist should be that keeps artists back Anyways, that's like 100%. a thing well, I want to dig into at some point. Well, it's I mean, also like actually Izzy, our associate producer, was like we were talking to Uber here about how artists like um, it's weird because you can your work can be worth nothing one day and then like millions of dollars the next. And it's like how do you value it? Because it's not actually valued by your time and hours spent working on the art. It's based on who cares about it, which is a I can't even fathom. That's a really weird spot to be in. And now for you, it's valued based off your audience, yeah. how many eyeballs are going to see it, how long it takes you to make it. Plus, it's your own original IP, so they have to pay for that too. Mm-hmm. So there's like, you're right, it's way more layers than like a cookie business. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, um, I think uh, the IP thing is, I think the the next part of this, because the most recent brand I worked with, um, we didn't really talk about IP, like my rate kind of just included ip in it but i didn't realize how valuable mm-hmm. ip was until like they requested that they put their trademark on my piece mm. and like 
it can be considered like a flex in a way, but it's also like, oh, this is no longer mine. Like, yeah, I made it, but. Well, putting on the manager Jacob cap, like send that contract my way because <laughs> yeah. we'll get the value out of that. <laughs> Jacob's really good at that. I think um, I think that kind of goes into, though, what my answer would be. And I think it was just if you are reaching out to a creator, an influencer, creative artist, whatever, um, you're reaching out to them to work with them. Understand that that means that you're wanting to work with them for what they already do day to day. So don't expect something that's not authentically them um like i always find it funny when like a brand will reach out be like we want we love sarah's stuff we want to work with her but here's something that's totally outside her niche and what she doesn't normally do and we need her to do this transition and this and that for the video like then i go then why did you reach out like that doesn't make any sense and that's kind of what i would say too to add on to this question not that i'm any kind of influencer but adding on to what you were just saying it's just like yeah recognizing that a creative and influencer is is yes there's an opportunity for a mouthpiece to be a mouthpiece for your brand in some way with collaboration but they're also just a regular actual human being that is just going about their daily lives sharing what they want to share so like it would remember be in- that as opposed to thinking that they're this massive multinational corporation you know mm-hmm. what i mean i know um and third- that rarely happens though Rarely. Yes, exactly. Okay, so the third question. I thought this was really fun. You're offered dinner with anyone in the world. Who would it be? We're going to go with Alive for this one. Because like the Alive or Dead ones, like everyone always says that. This is like a solid question that people get asked frequently. It's a dinner party question. Hmm. That's a good one. We can take a moment. I'll play some Jeopardy music. (laughs) Can we go with two? We have two because I think it's always better to have like with three people here. It's a good conversation. You know what I mean? It feels like a date if it's just one person that you're having. Yeah, with. Is that kind bit, of the, the dynamics so different. Okay, so you can kick us off if you already have two people. <laughs> I haven't even thought about somebody. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> no, you know who I would love. I'm gonna just choose one. I already talked about previous episodes. My one <laughs> oh my celebrity God. crush, Anna Kendrick. No, it's not gonna be her. Sorry, Anna. You know, uh, Janelle Monae. Oh, she's cool uh, as she, hell. I, and I feel like she would be a great dinner conversation. She's an interesting person, super talented, and just like gives off nice vibes. She's lived a lot of lives too. Like people know Janelle Monet for like different like yeah. eras and yeah, things. And I think, time. and she dresses really cool. She's probably one of the coolest person, people that I've ever met. Yeah. I mean, I haven't. <laughs> Like, that you ever one of the coolest he's like it's so real he's manifesting it so hard he like people i would like to meet um i think mine goes without saying taylor swift Mm. but that's only because they said offer dinner i don't want to meet taylor swift in like a meet and greet quick quick flash flash photo hi bye like i don't want that and i've talked about this i swear to god in other episodes it's i want that like moment. I talked about it with Shannon. I was like, I need that moment of like, of time with her to like talk about the creative process and her filmmaking and this and like not just, oh my God, I love your music. It means so much to me. Like I would feel like I was doing myself an injustice if that happened. So mine's Taylor Swift and I'll wear your shirt when it happens too. My girl. Oh, I got you. I got you. Um, How about you? I think it'd be The weekend. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's my favorite artist and like, He's also from like my ends in Scarborough. So I think like with him, there's so much mystique. Like he is a very enigmatic guy. Mm-hmm. And there's so much behind the scenes that like I would love to learn more about. And also like, yeah, figure out how we can collaborate. I think yeah. that would be the coolest thing. <laughs> exactly. Like I really want to design this guy's album cover or something for him. That'd be cool. One That'd day. Be cool. I think 
I think it'll happen. I see it in uh, your future. I think you will do an album cover for someone. That'd be sick. Oh, big time, yeah. Thank you so much for coming on Talking Fast. How is this experience? Good? Rate five stars? Yeah, five. Seven out of, seven out of five. <laughs> As I'm like staring at you, like, yeah, would you rate five, five stars? stars? <laughs> no, you both are awesome, honestly. It's been a great time. Amazing. Well, make sure uh, you check out Nishi's art. This is your time to promote yourself. So you can look to a camera. You can promote whatever you're working on, promote whatever you want. This is your moment. Cool. Uh, my name is Nishi Chroma, and uh, I've been doing this for a few years now. Um, I really don't know what to say. Uh, what's your What's your at? What's your Where can they find you? Where can the people find you? What are you working on? What are you selling? You're selling this. Yeah, yeah. Um, we want to make you money. Yeah, so where do I get like it? To- I want to buy this. Where do I get it? Um, yeah, you can find my stuff at nasheedchroma.com. My Instagram and TikTok is at nasheed.chroma. Uh, I'm planning on creating a lot more art this year. Uh, trying to limit my brand collaborations so that I can create art that you guys want to see. Uh, in the pipeline right now are a Bad Bunny piece, a Black Pink piece, and a Burna Boy piece. Ooh, I'm gonna be gonna at Coachella. <gasps> Ooh. Really? Yeah, I'm gonna be at Coachella. Is this an exclusive? You're gonna be at Coachella? Yeah, no, no, I bought the tickets. So <laughs> oh, okay. This, this wasn't like some cool influencer thing, but I'm hoping to use this as an opportunity to flex what Nishikroma as a media company can also do. Uh, and hopefully become the artist that, you know, like at Lollapalooza and like these like Coachella type yeah. assholes. They always yeah. have an artist that's designing like everything. Yeah. It'd be sick to be that guy. That's a perfect in, like, fit. Five years. We've heard it here. So then we'll bring you back once that's <laughs> happened and then we can play yeah. the clip back. And I don't think it's, it's going to take five years. I don't think it's going to. Dude, you're, you said you you were worried to paint on an iPad three years ago. <laughs> and now you have a whole like business about it. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for listening or watching to Talking Fast. Uh, he rated it seven stars out of five. So wherever you rate your podcast, rate us five stars. Subscribe. Like all the good things. We don't want the negative juju here. And we will see you next Wednesday. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.